0: Catherine Lindsay wasn't thinking about death. Then she got a text message from her mom.
1: So I think this was
0: back in
1: April or some, sometime around then, and I just get this kind of long text from my mom out of nowhere, letting me know that she was doing sort of a review of her Google privacy settings. and. When you take a look at that, one of the things they have a section for is um, something called like your digital legacy. Uh, and there's a few different sort of things you can do in there. And one of, one of the options is designating a person that they, that would go to if you were inactive for a certain period of time. And sort of the standard that they suggest is three months. And so that's what she clicked. But it was kind of a weird text because, you know, even in that message... We weren't saying what that meant, but the word inactivity is very broad, but we knew what it meant was sort of, I was being given this for after she one day passed away.
0: That text sent Lindsay, a freelancer who writes about technology and culture, into research mode. I
1: just started thinking about what I would do when I get those things. Like, would I read through the emails? Would I read through the documents? Is there anything I would see that I wouldn't like or that would be surprising. Do I delete it all? Is that like, is that rude? I don't know, it's just, I don't know. I still, after all this, don't know what I would do with it, but I was thinking about how with each year, the people who are passing away are people who have spent more time online Mm -hmm. and so have larger digital footprints. Um, And so this is something that likely had already started and is only just gonna get more complicated. I was just doing a lot of thinking about what that would mean what kind of inheriting someone's digital footprint would entail and, you know, how there's not really any guidelines for what to do with it.
0: Human lives now linger on in digital space, and that raises a lot of questions. Do you take comfort in what's left behind? Or, as Lindsay writes in a recent piece for The Atlantic, do you shut it all down and accept a second death? So today on the show how to grieve a digital ghost, and what tech companies should do about all this. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. People write up wills to manage what happens to their money or their houses or other physical assets when they die. Far fewer people are thinking about their digital things email, social media accounts, texts. Maybe because it's hard to feel like we really own anything that's online these days, or maybe it's just hard to see the value in some of this stuff. You definitely want to make sure your house falls into good hands when you die, but are you thinking the same way about your Facebook DMs from college? In her reporting, Kate found that by the time people are thinking about the pieces of themselves that are scattered online, it can be close to impossible to deal with.
1: I think it's hard to be aware of just how large our digital footprints are, especially you know people sort of in the millennial and um, Gen Z onward who really gr- grew up entirely online. This can include, obviously, every single social media account, but also Spotify accounts, streaming services bank accounts, things like that, that's already part of the process. Um, But there are these little smaller ways that, you know, even things as simple as um, some of the people I spoke to for this piece, getting like an Uber Eats notification or something from this person's phone or in their email. There are just so many ways that not only have we made accounts in these places, but a lot of digital spaces have access to our emails that are, are attempt to contact us and they'll keep they'll keep attempting to contact you because um, you exist as kind of like a little digital item
0: and even if you are taking stock of your digital footprint before you pass the sheer scale of what's on the internet can be daunting
1: It's nearly impossible to fully anticipate all the ways um, someone has appeared online that could kind of come back around when someone's not actually there. Tending to them, like even little things, like someone I spoke to had like sort of a early WordPress blog that they've since lost the password to. There's so many digital pieces of our digital footprint that we've just kind of abandoned that now just float out there. It doesn't feel like something we need to think about when we're alive, but then I think the moment um, someone passes away, it suddenly feels a little bit weird to know that there are parts of them out there that no one can really access, it's harder to get closure.
0: Yeah. It seems like a person dies, but they're, you're kind of hinting at this. They, they're they still alive um, in the digital sphere. And then the, the choice that a lot of the people you spoke to face is like, do you keep them alive in the digital sphere or do you find closure in the digital space? Like, you described one person who was still um, getting texts. Her her mother maybe had died and people were still texting her mother and she had her her phone. People were still talking to her.
1: That's someone named Marie whose mother passed away last fall from cancer. And so in sort of her mother's case, her mother was very proactive. Um, and one of the things that, because her, her mother kind of knew her cancer diagnosis was headed in this direction. And so Marie had access to her mother's phone and it was through the phone that Marie was able to access all other accounts because her mother was already logged in. Um, And so there were several things that she kind of came across, including things that surprised her. Like she didn't know her mother had a Twitter account, but then she could open it up and be logged into her mother's account and see tweets she was sending. Um, It was funny. She said her mother would like kind of argue with right-wingers online. And that was kind of surprising to Marie because she had always thought of her as conservative mm-hmm. as yeah, but I, clearly there uh there were some changes happening in in her ideology that were only evident through Twitter. Her Spotify was logged in, and Marie said that she had no idea her mom liked Taylor Swift, but you could she could see all of her mom's <laughs> recommendations and the things she'd listened to, and it was like all these Taylor Swift songs, but yeah, the texting is interesting because um you know I this is something I've always seen, especially growing up on Facebook, like if someone passes away, people you want to send a message to the person and there's always this, like, maybe they'll see it. Mm. Um, maybe somehow they'll know. And so, you know, you you send these messages. So Marie will get these texts that are meant for her mom from people being like, you know, I miss you. just thinking about you. Um, and I think it's very weird for Marie. Marie sees it and she just obviously doesn't do anything with them. But whenever she opens up the phone, she'll usually get a couple. And I mean, I'm sure it's sad, but it was also kind of, it's sweet to know to, to be aware of that her mother is like in people's thoughts and to know that in this very tangible way because she's literally receiving those thoughts.
0: So, you mentioned email, you mentioned Twitter. Is it easy for people to access these things when their loved one dies? Pretty much every platform
1: has a different setup for something like this. And so, for, you know, for, for Google, um, you could do what my mom did and go in and, and designate uh, a person to receive it. If you don't do that and you, you've passed away, whoever is sort of the executor of your will or your estate can go ahead and request. Google won't let them in, but it, you can request to be given all the data. Uh, so like all the emails or things from Google Drive, but you have to do things like provide a death certificate you're at the whim of this tech company, whether or not they kind of determine that they can give you this information. For platforms like Facebook and Instagram, uh, they have a feature that's called memorializing someone's account. And it's a bit of a similar process. Uh, you would go and let Facebook, Instagram, meta know that this person's passed away and they'll kind of revert their account to a state where... Um, you know, new things can't be added. It can't be logged into. And and it will say, like, on Facebook, it'll change it from a person's name to, like, remembering this person. Right. I do also believe Facebook, at least, has gotten a little bit ahead in a similar to Google where you can designate sort of a legacy person to log in. If you don't do those things, one... It comes back to the problem we were speaking about earlier, where there's just like, you would need to think of every single place and just remember to go in and, and make, make those arrangements, uh, which I think could be hard. And so there's many cases where those are left unattended.
0: Beyond the platforms, states are also starting to grapple with how to help people access their deceased loved ones' assets online. The Revised Uniform Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act, yes, it's a mouthful, is a framework developed to help people handle all of this. 45 states have enacted some version of it, but it's not a perfect solution.
1: Not every state has adopted it. The states that have adopted it, adopt different versions of it, but it's basically um, a protocol that people, lawyers, estate lawyers will fall back on if someone hasn't arranged anything, any of these sort of steps for their digital assets. Um, but like I said, different in every state. It's very complicated. When you're not the person, a lot of places have different terms of service, you know, like Yahoo, for instance, someone I spoke to was trying to get access to her, her mom's Yahoo account and Yahoo, um, in their terms of service is like you sign saying that no one other than you can access the account. And so if you're trying, if, if a loved one is trying to get into the account or get data, um, they really like Yahoo forbids it that you can you can send what appears to be like a written piece of mail to request data, but they will not let you in. And so the thing that when I spoke to estate lawyers what they recommended is just very basic is just for someone to literally like write down or put in a spreadsheet just every account they can think of all the passwords and sort of keep a living document of like any requests or preferences that they have with those things because anything that's not covered will get sort of punted to this weird kind of legal limbo that's very complicated to work out. and So anything that anyone can do to get ahead of it is ideal, even though one of the lawyers I spoke to said technically in most cases, it is illegal to access a password protective <laughs> account of someone who isn't you. But it's one of those things that she's like, we just assume no one's going to arrest anyone for mm-hmm. it uh, and they should do it anyways. Um, And so it's like, that's the best case scenario, but it is one of those things that like, if it's complicated now when a majority of the people passing away kind of just have email and Facebook accounts, I don't know what it will be like when we start getting Bitcoin and TikTok accounts and all these other ways that now our digital footprints are much, much bigger.
0: Right. And they're not, like Facebook has really kind of figured this out, I think more than some other platforms, but I don't think TikTok has any protocol yet.
1: Not that I have seen, but like creators who pass away, you know, like on YouTube and things like that, it it is, they're just kind of, they just continue existing in this weird preserved way through their videos. And, and th- those spaces transform from pages that they're in charge of to kind of memorial sites where people leave comments. Um, but it's so out of anyone's control that I think it can just feel very uncomfortable.
0: When we come back, who actually owns your Facebook account? You or Meta? We like to think that we own our presence online, that our accounts are our property and thereby an extension of us. But in reality, our digital assets often live in a gray area of ownership.
1: And that's what I find so weird about this thing. Like, I know all these platforms have put these sort of protocols in place in an attempt to be helpful, but there's something I find so bizarre about when someone passes away, the loved one, the family member who's like, I'd like access to these things. The fate of that data is in the hands of a tech company, not the loved one. Um, I find that so bizarre that, you know, like even um, Marie, who I spoke to, her mom, on Facebook was one of those people who made her last name like something silly that wasn't really her last name. Uh, and when they were trying to memorialize the count, uh, Facebook kept rejecting Marie's request because the name of the Facebook profile didn't match the death certificate. and And they did eventually get it to go through by just trying over and over. But you know, that's someone who's already grieving, and to kind of be told by a platform multiple times ostensibly, no, we don't believe you um, is, is re-traumatizing over and over again. It's kind of wild that in the first place, that's something that they don't just have control over the way they would with sort of any other, any other physical items that their, their mother left behind.
0: To turn to someone like Marie, like the grieving process for your mother or whoever has died, the grieving process for their digital self, is that different from like the grieving process of their analog self? Is there something to digital grieving that is different or needs to be handled differently?
1: I think what's different about it is there's a sense of um, agency in it that I actually think, in my opinion, feels more agonizing. It's something that both, both Marie and Ashley Reese, who's another person I spoke to, brought up with how these people still exist in their streaming service profiles. You know, when you, you open up yeah. Netflix and, you know, presuming maybe you're, you're on a shared account, all the names are there, including the name of the person who has passed away. Or things like, like Ashley uses her late husband's AirPods. His name was Rob. And it still, they still connect as Rob's AirPods. I think it's case to case. Like, does it make you feel better to kind of see these reminders of the person or is it prolonging or acting as a reminder of something that is upsetting the only alternative is to go and delete the profile or rename the airpods which does feel a little bit like choosing the death because you're you're they do still kind of exist and you're making the decision to make it so they don't on that platform and i think especially you know presumably when someone passes away and it was completely out of your control I can imagine there's a lot of like, well, why would this one thing that isn't my control, keeping them alive in these ways, why would I choose to also eliminate that? To me, the grieving feels much harder because technically like you are in charge of how that person lives on and there just isn't a right answer. And it just seems to be case by case. Like I think Marie was saying she was ready to delete Her mother's like Netflix profile, Mm -hmm. like she was ready to move on from it. Whereas Ashley, you know, with the Rob's AirPods, she says she's never going to change the name. They're always going to say Mm -hmm. Rob's AirPods. And and so I think it's case by case with just what brings you comfort. But in terms of like getting closure and moving on, there are so many ways that these digital reminders can just keep popping up. And I think make that harder.
0: Because those digital items are so present in your life. It's like, uh, you know... This woman's 34 year old husband dies, but she's still going to use Netflix for a while and see his profile name. It's not like, like I guess, in the analog world, she would have a she would have to decide keep his clothes or not keep his clothes. But of course, she's going to keep Netflix. You mentioned um, Ashley Reese has her husband's text messages like pinned to the top of her iMessage, and that's like she opens eye message every day, you know, um, it's just, these things are so present in our lives and it does seem like, yeah, you have to decide, do I want to keep the ghost going or, or not? And that, that does seem like a really hard decision to make.
1: I felt so silly I was having these conversations because like, I, I, I I felt I could relate to them, but because earlier this year I lost my cat or, you know, I had passed away Mm -hmm. and like my, my late cat is still my phone background, even though I have new cats now. And I still either, I'm like, you know, it's weird. I, I haven't changed her picture because that feels like a betrayal to a cat, which is crazy. But these things hold like a lot of meaning, even if they seem a little bit silly.
0: On top of this, the digital world changes fast. New platforms pop up and old ones can disappear. And when they disappear, so does the content posted there.
1: Technology can move on to the point where things are not accessible anymore. What if Google gets hacked or what if the laptop breaks? It's unlikely that all of those things (laughs) will go down at once, but it's like, there, like you said, there will be a time when at least one of those things will not be accessible in the same way anymore and there are things like you know you can have someone's ashes or like physical sort of memories of them but someone's online presence they 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 feel so much more alive in yeah. that because you're seeing their their, com- their thoughts their feelings their conversations but you know it's very it's the closest you can get to kind of still them being alive but it's also kind of the hardest to maintain. So yeah, it takes a lot more thought when it comes to sort of preserving something on the internet or on, on a computer.
0: Well, we kind of talked about already putting together like a spreadsheet of all your passwords and your intentions. Are you going to do that? That just sounds really, I, who's doing that?
1: In the case of like, you know, Rob, similarly, he had a type of cancer where, and it became clear that it was going to be terminal. And so he got really ahead of all this stuff. I think people who don't have that kind of certainty have the privilege or the ability to do what we all do, which is just pretend that death is not something we have to think about right now. Um, And we just keep pushing it down. And so I think, you know, after doing this, I am like, absolutely, I, I should do that. I have such a digital presence. I would want, you know, I think, I don't know, it changes, but I think I would want like a lot of these platforms to be archived in some way uh, so they don't just be like loose ends. But I think my brain just keeps being like, but I have time for that, but I have time for that. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it would probably make sense to to start doing it, but then doing that would mean like reckoning with mortality and everyone's like, oh, it's, you know... I don't feel like reckoning with mortality today. The mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing I do have that I think is helpful is I have a password manager. Um, and so, you know, I and I know the password to that. And that that kind of acts as one of those, as one of those spaces. But like I said, there's so many things that I would need to sit down and think about. And like weirdly, the bigger thing that I've taken away from this is like what Ashley spoke about was sort of just how these are the most alive someone can really feel these digital things. And she feels so it's changed her thinking about how she shows up online in terms of the fact that there are people who will be like camera shy or be like, I don't like this picture of me or who will, you know, limit their presence online. And her takeaway after all this is like, no, like take the picture, post the thing. Like this is all that's going to be left of you and someone is going to want to see those things after you're gone. And, and so taking all these pictures, posting all these thoughts, I'll think about it now and be like, oh, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to have like a messy digital footprint. But then if there's someone, you know, after I pass away, not to keep bringing it back to my cat, but I like had so many. I, I had, I remember I looked it up. When she passed away, I had like like something like 1,700 pictures of her, mm. which like when she was alive, I was like, I have so many pictures of her, that's so crazy. And then after she passed away, I was like, thank God I have all these pictures of her. Like I can just sit here and go through them and it doesn't get repetitive and I'll I keep being surprised or getting new memories of her. And so it, it's similarly like, you know, do this digital documentation because by doing that, you are sort of preserving someone's legacy, even if we don't want to think about it right now. <laughs>
0: I wanted to ask actually, yeah, do you, do you think um, the the digital platforms, are they doing a good job here helping people grieve or is there room for improvement? Is anyone doing anything about that? I think the
1: thing is, it's like, they're obviously not being super loud about it because like I said, it is a bummer. A bummer. I think it would be important to get this information out in front of people. Honestly, like maybe when they sign up mm-hmm. that they can start to designate these things because otherwise, they're just not going to want to think about it. Like, that's the biggest change, I think. I mean, obviously, pretty much everyone has signed up for all these things now. But it would be good to kind of make it so it becomes some... At least something they have to, like, really consciously hit. Like, I don't want to do this or something. Because I think the main problem is that you only really know that these features exist if you go looking for them. And to go looking for them would suggest you already have some type of awareness that this is something you should be doing, which I don't think is something everyone has. And so for someone who really doesn't want to think about this or just who isn't, they can not make any of these preparations. And so I think it would be good to kind of do something for all these platforms that like puts it in front of people. Because like we mentioned TikTok earlier, and I would need to look into it because I'm not certain they have anything. But the thing is they very may well have something, but it's just when you sign up for an account. I do get that they're not like, now time to think about death. Um, but, it, you know, what, what will happen if I don't actively seek these things out and people don't want to actively seek these things out?
0: Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Katherine Lindsay is a freelance writer covering technology and culture. She also writes the newsletter Embedded. And that's it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell and Patrick Fort. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. We'll be back next week with more episodes. I'm Emily Peck, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and you can catch me over at Slate Money, new episodes every Saturday. Thanks for listening.